Tabernacle tonight. We are on time. I was just talking to Robert about that. We were on time last Sunday night. I'm telling you, we were on time. We're going to do the same thing on Wednesday night. You guys ready to get started? All right, let's stand. We'll sing together our first uh, song, A New Name and Glory. Grab the hymnals, right? What number is that? 349. 349. If you need the hymnal to see the words, like some of you need some glasses, right? <laughs> All right. You ready to sing it out? All right. Think about what you're singing. Praise the Lord tonight. Here we go. Ready? I was humbly kneeling as I crossed, fearing not the God's angry frown. When the heavens opened and I saw that my name was Correct me if I'm wrong, but is that book sealed? Right? And there's seals on it? Or I don't know if there's one seal or there's multiple seals on it in the book of Revelation. But then there was no one worthy, found worthy to open the book, right? Is that, is that, do I remember that right? But then there was somebody who was worthy who came along and said, hey, I can open the book. Break the seals. And God wrote, God wrote in that book, Right? Did Jesus Christ write in the book? I don't know. God the Father wrote in it. But it's a list of everybody who's, in, who's going to be in heaven, right? And we all we don't know who's worthy, but Jesus Christ made us worthy with his death. And he is worthy to open the book and break the seals. And we see, my name is written in the book of life because I've trusted in the name of Jesus Christ. And I have forgiveness of sins, a home in heaven, 
grace of God that I can't, I can't get on my own. I don't deserve it. I can't get it. I want to have it, but I can't attain it because I am sinful. But Jesus Christ's death, burial, resurrection made it possible for me to be in heaven with him. All right, so let's sing on the, on the third verse. Here we go. You ready? In the book is written, saved by grace. Oh, the joy that came to my soul. Now I am forgiven, and I know by the blood I am made whole. For there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. And the white robe hangs in the stormy. until the day of redemption. All right. We're glad, right? Glad for the salvation that He gives us, so we'll sing it together. Always say, but I'm glad. There is a song in my heart today, something I never had. Jesus has taken my sins away. everything that is going to happen and we can trust in him because he will execute his will his will will be done and we can trust him to give us his will for our life as we are obedient to him you know when we don't know what's coming in the future and you know I think of that with my kids and I'm sure you do with you know if you have kids that are looking for what they should be doing trusting God's will is really just being obedient to God it is really as simple as obeying the Bible, and God leads us along one step at a time, right? So, all right. Ready for the next one? Well, you know Ron Hamilton. He lived a great testimony, didn't he? There's somebody that just, you know, like God, used his life, and he did one step at a time in obedience through him, and here he is. You know? 
Good to be here. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to take the long way. Give you the short route. Um, it is good to be able to preach, and I'm always thankful for the opportunity to be able to preach. Um, as many of you know, I got the um, lovely opportunity to have a uh, abscess in my tonsil um, earlier in uh, a couple weeks ago. So I missed my a couple things that had to get switched around the scheduling and all that. But I'm back, and I'm able to get this Wednesday night service, and I'm preaching um, Sunday night service this coming Sunday, and then doing the youth group the next Wednesday after that. And I just got done doing two Sunday schools. It's like, man, yeah, I get everything all at once right at the very end. Um, but I'm always thankful, and it's been great. Uh, today I am, even though I did get a nap, a little bit of a nap before I came here, I am still a little tired because we had 
late night TNT last night, even though it was a ton of fun. I loved every second of it from hiding and scaring the teen girls and smacking the guys with like pool noodles and stuff. Uh, it was, it really was a lot of fun, but I, we were up late. I'm tired, but hopefully I can uh, be up here and not fall asleep on you guys. <laughs> so um, this morning, we, or this evening, wow, look at that. Uh, this evening, we're going to be in John 13, 36 through 38, and the title of my message is When God Says to Wait. Um, but while you're turning there, I do have a, a quick question for you. This applies a ton to me. I don't know if it applies as much to um, any of you, but especially whenever I was younger, I know what, like when I was in middle school, even in high school and stuff like that, and I'm sure even younger than that, um, there'd be many times where I'm at home and my um, family is, is there and we're about to go eat dinner somewhere or even it's like a Saturday, we're going to go get lunch. And we're either waiting for my dad to get home or, you know, my parents are getting dressed and they take forever and I'm a little kid and I take like three minutes and I don't even like brush my teeth or anything. I just want to go eat. And that's how it is. It's like, you know, we're going to whatever it is, Mexican restaurant. I'm ready to eat. Like I'm starving and I want to go eat so bad that I'm so hungry that I'm like, okay, there's like no other option. I have to eat something within the next like five minutes or I'm just going to, I'm just going to simply pass away. So I go, I run to the kitchen and I'm looking in there, and I see a bag of Doritos. My dad always, I feel like he always had a bag of Doritos. I love them too, but my dad, like, is obsessed with them. He likes anything that has, like, cheese, cheese flavoring, cheese. It doesn't matter. He's going to like it. But I would get, like, a bag of Doritos or something like that just to eat something beforehand. But a lot of times, the kitchen's right beside my mom's uh, room, and so she'd come, up there, come out there and be like, why are you eating when we're about to go out to eat? I, I hear that all the time, like, why are you eating now? We're about to go eat. And I'm like, Mom, I'm starving. I'm so hungry. I want to eat something. And she's like, you need to wait. It's okay. Just wait. We're about to go eat. You'll be happy that you waited. And she's right for a couple reasons. One, if I eat beforehand, I could, you know, be, I could eat a ton more than I'm supposed to. So I'm eating stuff that I'm not supposed to eat um, and not even be appreciating the food that I'm going to eat, not even use that so that I waste her money. And then my mom's like, every bit of a penny pitch, pincher as you can get, so she'd be upset if I had, like, food left on the plate or whatever. But also because it just, it ruins, like I said, it ruins that food that I'm going to go get because I'm eating, you know, some snacks out of the pantry. Now, I know this is a little bit of, like, a silly illustration, but um, this passage, and also just us as Christians, it seems like a lot of times we have such a hard time waiting on God. He tells us there's something right down the road, all we have to do is be patient for it and quit trying to find the good things right now on our own. And that's what we see a little bit in this uh, passage right here. And we're going to go ahead and read it and explain what I'm talking about. So, John 13, 36 through 38 says, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why can I not follow, why can I not follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down my, thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. So, we see this evening from this portion of Scripture, and we'll see from a couple other, um, that tie, a couple other pieces of Scripture that tie into this, that God sometimes wants us to wait. But why, as Christians, is that necessary for us to wait? Um, if we see something that's good or possible um, to happen, why don't we just go ahead and do it, right? Because that's, that's the mentality we see a lot. Um, in the world today, even that, you know, follow your heart. Just whatever you see, that open, that open door, you know, run through it headlong. 
the worst that can happen is it gets shut in your face and you go find another one. That's what everyone teaches. It's like, follow your heart, follow your heart, don't listen to anybody else, you know what you want. The truth is, that is just not the case with so many things. And I'm sure many of you have other points in life where it's like, man, if I did not wait on God, this blessing, maybe I would have never experienced it, or it wouldn't be nearly as sweet as it actually is. So when I'm talking about why God wants us to wait, or how do we handle when God tells us to wait, the first thing we have to understand is trusting his timing. So verse 36 of this says, Simon Peter said unto him, uh, Lord, whither goest thou? So he's asking Jesus, you know, where are you going? Jesus answered him, uh, whither I go, thou canst not follow me now. So he's saying, you know, Peter, where I'm going right now, you can't follow me. But, um, he says, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. So just wait and follow me afterwards. Now, it seems like this is a little bit of a um, weird situation because if we go back and look at Matthew 4, 18 through 20, it says this, And he saith unto them, Follow me. This is Jesus talking to um, uh, Simon and his brother. It says, uh, Simon Peter and his brother. It says, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, which is Simon, called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And they straightway left their net and followed him. So, Back in the early, early part of these Gospels, whenever uh, Peter and his brother are first called to be disciples of Jesus, what does it say that they did? Um, right, he straightway left their nets. They were, you know, they were ready to go. They believed. They wanted to follow Jesus. That's how they wanted to use their life. Um, and they were ready to go. Peter didn't even ask questions. He went. And we honestly see that attitude a lot in Peter, just like the way that he just, um, he will go and he will just put himself out there. He will, he will run after Jesus and he does not care what happens to him on the way there. He's going he's gonna to reach Jesus. And so if that's the case, Peter's thinking, you know, when I first became a disciple, uh, Jesus, you told me that I needed to follow you. And that was, that was my responsibility. All I had to do was just follow you. He asked him to follow him. And so now he's saying, where I'm going, you can't follow me, but you can follow me after. So Peter's like, well, you know, what is this? Why is, why is Jesus telling me something different than earlier? And that can also be our mindset a lot. How can we trust what God says and tells us whenever he just told us something different, completely different sometimes earlier? I mean, it can be just like that. It switched from one day to the next. You're like, man, God, you're telling me something completely different that you were telling me a couple of days ago. Um, something I like to think about uh, that's pretty... Uh, that's a funny illustration, a way of saying this, is I, you all know those people. There's a couple people in here like this, too. The jokester that will, you know, almost, like, look for ways that they can get you to look like you're just dumb or that you don't know what you're talking about in front of other people because they think it's hilarious. Um, for instance, like, my dad sometimes messes with me, and he's like, if I need to go to the, to the this was when I was younger, when I first got my car, um, he was like, you know, go to the auto zone you need to get. I can't remember what it was. I think it was new wipers and like a filter or something like that. And so I'm calling him on the phone as I'm there, get the stuff, bring it out to my car, I put it on, and then he's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Make sure you go back in there and ask for some blinker fluid. And I'm like, okay, I don't even know what I need that for. So I go in there, and you start talking to the guy, and he's like, and they know, like they know, because there's no such thing as blinker fluid. Um, and so they're just, yeah, yeah, they're just messing with you too, and then you just look so dumb in front of this guy because you don't know what you're talking about. Um, we just went to Fazoli's yesterday. I've never been there before. I don't even know if we have those in Georgia. Um, but I was like, okay. I'm not a huge Italian guy, but they, he said they had good breadsticks. I was like, okay, it's breadsticks. You can't really go wrong with that. So we walk in there, and they bring us a plate of breadsticks, or we get a plate of breadsticks, and we eat them all. And Pastor Brett's like, hey, you can, 
um, go up there and ask for more. And my my, I'm like, the, with the people I grew up around, I'm like, he is, he is lying. I know he is. I'm like, no, I'm not going up there to ask for more breadsticks. And he's like, Grant, I'm telling you, all you have to do is go up there. It's all you can eat breadsticks. And I said, I like put the plate down in front of him. I said, you go do it. I'm not asking. And he's like, I'm telling you, that is like their thing here is all you can eat breadsticks is the thing. I'm like, if I go up here and they look at me like I'm so dumb, I'm going to be really upset with you. Uh, so needless to say, Pastor Brett's not that mean. So I did go up there and got the breadsticks. Now, if Pastor John was telling me that was the case, no way would I have ever stood up and gone up there and done that. Um, but so I did end up going to do that, and he was right. But like I said, Pastor John or even me, I do that stuff all the time to people just to, you know, it's, just, it's funny. I mean, obviously to them they're like, you know, you're so mean. But it is, it is pretty funny. But it's like we hear a lot of times, you know, the boy that cried wolf. And eventually, when it actually was the case, no one believed him anymore. Or so that person that tells you something and then lies about it or completely switches up on it, that's almost the kind of mindset that sometimes you can have with God. You're like, are you being serious here? Are you, are you, being, are you telling me the truth? Or are you trying to make my life harder or something like that? And you're like, obviously God's not going to do that. God loves us. But you have that mindset sometimes. It's like, why are you telling me something completely different here when we just... It seems like I, we were just on the same page. I'm thinking of the same thing with, like, with Pastor Andrew. It's like he just got his new house. He's, you know, he's been here for, I think, 11 years, and he's getting you know, really close to people, even more so, and helping the ministry grow. Like I said, he just got his new house, and all of a sudden, boom, out of nowhere, he's, the Lord's calling him to Minnesota. He's at a different ministry. And I, talking to him personally in our meetings and stuff, it's, it is difficult. I mean, it's out of nowhere. You don't necessarily expect something like that whenever it seems like the Lord is telling you, something for a specific reason. So we see that clearly Jesus talked to Peter early in his life and asked him to follow him. And Peter did that without hesitation, straightway. But so why is he so upset that Jesus is telling um, him now that to not follow? Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. It seems like we are the ones who um, you know, are getting done wrong, but in reality it's not. God just has a better plan. He's not going back on what he said, but there's a reason why. Another illustration of this that I think is interesting, I heard once, it's kind of a, it's just an interesting illustration, but I think it works. Um, it was this mom and her little boy, they were in a park, um, they were walking along, you know, doing whatever you do, playing on the playground, she's watching and stuff, and every mom, like for the most part, at least my mom did when I was younger too, like they're going to they're gonna take pictures of you, they just want to take pictures of you and post it on Facebook or whatever, and so um, you're walking around the park and this little, she's like, that is a cool oak tree or whatever. Hey, you know, Timmy, can you go stand underneath um, that tree? I'm going to get a picture of you. And he's like, yeah, whatever. Goes and runs under there. And so as the mom is getting ready to take the picture, all of a sudden her, he can see her countenance drops, her face changes. And it's a little bit frantic, but she's still calm. And she's like, Timmy, I need you to do something for me. I need you to lay down on the ground. And Tim's like, okay, what? What are you talking about? And she's like, just trust your mom. Please, can you lay down on the ground for me? And so he's like, okay. Just listen to his mom. Gets down on the ground. And at that point, she's like, all right, now I need you to crawl to me. And, he's, and at this point, anyone would be thinking, what in the world are you saying? Or what are you talking about? But needless to say, he still obeys his mom. He starts crawling towards her. And once he finally gets to her, you know, she's hugging him and, and so happy and all that stuff. And he's confused. And he looks back and he realizes on that tree, there was a snake hanging off that branch, just right behind him. And all he, he didn't have, no idea, his back was to it, but his mom could see it. And, but his mom just told him to go underneath that tree, just told him to do something. And then you see her whole countenance change. Hey, I can see something that you couldn't see. I need you to trust me and listen and follow. And that's what he did. And that, like I said, is just like us. It's like, man, how can we trust what if you just said something different? There's so many situations where 
God tells us, it seems like, tells us to do something, he does the exact opposite. Uh, what we don't realize is many times he's telling us what we're doing and what to do for a reason, and many times we won't see that reason until it comes to fruition and we're blessed because of it. So we see that we trust his timing and we can trust him even if he's telling us to do something different earlier because he is God than earlier because he's God. We also need to listen to God as he directs us in the current moment. Another thing that I thought was awesome, I was talking to Pastor Andrew about this. I'm like, don't misunderstand what I'm asking here. I understand that there is the will of God. You can see God's will, and you're able to step out on that. But how did you know, like, what did you, you know, how did you see that you needed to make these steps and that your future ministry would be in Minnesota? And he gave a great answer, just kind of going into the details of all the little things that he asked God as he went along the way and taking every single step. But the main thing that stuck out to me, he said, um, God's will doesn't have to be, it's not a distant thing that you're looking for. He said, what you need to, is to realize every day, are you in God's will that day? And if you're not, get in it. But if you are, if you stay in God's will every single day, and that's a, that's a constant decision, you're stepping in God's will every day, 10 years down the line, you're still going to be in God's will because you made sure every day along the way that you're in his will. And the way I like to think about it, because whenever I was, I grew up in church. My, uh, my grandpa was a pastor for a, like a year before I was, after I was born. He retired, then my uncle became the pastor on, my, on the opposite side. So like I'm all in ministry. And so, and he's still the pastor. But something I always struggled with was like, what do you mean God's will? What is God's will? Um, like I understand that he has a will for us, but how am I supposed to see that? How am I supposed to find that? And I hadn't heard of that whole one-step thing. You know, pastors get up there, they explain it, but still in my mind, I'm just like, I don't, how do you see that? And what I had to, what I came to in my own studying and what I came to in a couple other, you know, advice of godly counsel, the best way for me to describe how to be in God's will is just as simple as this. You're either in God's will or you're not, and you know when you're not. And what I mean by that is if you're saved and you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives within you, and he's going to let you know when you're doing something that you ought not to do. Or he's going to let you know when you're not living for God the way that you should. And if you're not in God's will, if you have that feeling that he's telling you, you know, you need to get my, in, in my will, that's whenever you know you're not in God's will, and that's when you step into it. So you're in God's will unless you know you're not, because you know you're not. And that's just, that was like, when I heard that, I was like, man, or whenever I read that, I was like, man, that is, that is a perfect way to describe that to me. That resonated with me. It's because so many times I'm like, am I in God's will? But a lot of times I know I'm not, and that's when I need to get back in. So because of those steps that we take every moment, those current moments, those things that God tells us right now, we need to follow that. The second part of that verse, he says, um, after saying, Whither I go, thou cannot follow me now, he says, But thou shalt follow me afterward. And I, I also think this is interesting because Peter is telling Jesus here, you know, that next verse he's saying, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? But in all honesty, Jesus is, it seems like he's telling Peter more in that first verse than he tells us sometimes. At least he's telling Peter, you can follow me afterward, just right now you can't. It's like to us sometimes, like, I feel like we don't even get that much clarity. It's like, why is God, God's telling me this thing, and it's like, what in the world? This is out of nowhere. I don't even know where I'm, what I'm doing. I think of Abraham, like, on faith, he just had to go. I mean, think about that. Everything that belongs to you, your whole, like, life possessions, like, it, you know, your wife, your kids, and whatever you can take with you on the road, just go. It's like God's telling you, I'll tell you when you're where you need to go. That's all he tells you is just to go. I mean, what faith, right? Peter's even told what is going to happen. You can follow me afterwards. I just need you to wait. But sometimes it seems like we're in an Abraham situation. Like, man, I have nothing to go on except what God t- tells me right now. And that's exactly right. What God tells you right now is all you need 
to go on. That current moment that God tells you, step out on faith. So, if he tells him this, if he tells Peter this, what's his problem? What's, what's what is Peter's problem? Um, why is he being so difficult when Jesus pretty much told him exactly what he needed to do, just to wait, and then he could follow him afterwards? The reason is because Peter is acting on that impulse, that feeling, that emotion. He loves Jesus. We see that so many times throughout the gospel. He loves the Lord. He wants to continue to follow him. Like I said earlier, whenever he first became a disciple, he straightway left his nets. He wanted to follow Jesus right away, and he wants to do that now. That's why he's like, man, the emotion I have for you, Lord, I, I want to follow you, so why can't I? But the, the truth is Peter's not waiting on God to move. He's trying to make his move according to what he thinks is right rather than what Jesus is saying is right. So if we get caught up like Peter, if we get to the point where we're making our decisions based on these feelings or these emotions um, in times of uncertainty, then it's always going to come back to bite us. We're not doing what we're supposed to do. We should wait for God to make that move first, and we follow soon after. Um, another way I think, about, I think about this is whenever, whenever I grew up, and I'm sure most of you this was the same way, it's like when you cross the road, you better look both ways, and then you better look both ways again, and you better look both ways again, and then you, when you start walking, you better look both ways, and then you make it across the road. Like, that's pretty much like how my parents ingrained that in me. Like, you are not crossing the road unless, unless you look both ways. And so we had to know that, especially because our house was on a hill, driveway, we played basketball, and if it hit that goal wrong, it was, it was launching down the hill, down the road, into the cul-de-sac, and we had to go all the way across the road. Obviously, we're not a, like on a main road. It was a neighborhood road, but still, look both ways. That was ingrained in me. I'm not going to run across the road if I didn't know. Um, but what I can trust is when my dad makes that move, when my mom makes that move. I think about one time when we were going to Disney World. I was really little. you got to you know, park whatever, and you got to make it to Disney World. But you can see it, man. You can really see it. Like That looks awesome. As a kid, it's like Disney World, like happiest place on earth. Wow. And so you, you just want to make it there. And you don't care about all the roads that are in between or all the things that you need to watch out for on the way there. But I'm holding my dad's hand. I know that I don't have to make that move. I know my job is not to run away from my dad, but it is to wait for him to make that move first. And then I'm 100% confident that I'm going to be safe because it's my dad. He knows better than me. I can be 100% confident once he takes that step onto the road with my hand that I can follow him. And that's exactly how we be with God. Don't take that step first. You wait on him to make that move. So... We see all these different things about how trusting God and his timing because of um, what he tells us, even if it's different from before, or following him in the current moment. But now, in order to wait, when God tells us to wait, we need to trust his timing. But let's look next at underst- the reason we need to be waiting is because we need to understand his omniscience. And what I mean by that is his all, you know, he's all-knowing. He knows um, more than us. His ways and his thoughts are higher than ours. And that's something that we need to grasp is, Truly, God knows way more than we could ever imagine. And I think some people get caught up in that. They're like, you know, I don't want to put my faith, or I don't want to trust in a God that I can't understand. It's like, man, that is not something I want to spend my life doing is in some religion that I don't, you know, that I don't understand God, so how is that going to make sense to me? But at least to me, and I feel like this makes a lot of sense, and we were also talking about this with Pastor John the other day, if, if my God was not infinite and my God was not greater than me in every way, shape, or form, what kind of God, what kind of God am I serving, right? I, that is an infinite God, and we are finite beings. I don't want to understand everything that he has said because that would make him not God, right? So we need to understand that he knows more than we ever could, even about ourselves, and we're going to see this in this passage. Uh, looking at verse, uh, the next two verses, verses 37 and 38, it says, Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot, why cannot I follow thee now? 
I will lay down my life for thy sake. So he's saying two things. You know, he's asking the question, why can't I follow you? I would lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered him and says, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Questioning him. And says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. So Peter, he's being a little bit ignorant here. He's being honest. I truly believe that he means what he's saying in his heart, that he would give his life for Christ, and he would want to do that, and he would want to live, and he wants to follow him. So he's being honest, but he's, not, but he's being ignorant. And we can't be like that. We, should never, we shouldn't be ignorant to what the truth is and let God know he's going to tell us what the truth is. Um, against you know, Peter's better judgment, he's asking Jesus, why can't I follow you now? Saying that he would lay down his life and all that stuff. But, so like I said, what he's saying is not necessarily wrong, but he didn't know his, his real, his true heart, what actually was going to take place. But God did. So this can be true for us. We can have the best intentions ever as a Christian. You know, um, I would do, I plan on being in my devotions in the morning. I plan on praying to God. We can have these intentions. And sure, we really do love God. And we really do love Jesus. And we really do love our um, fellow Christians in, in the church. But, you know, is that true intention our real heart and our real motivation? Um, Peter would do one thing for God um, and then later he would fail. He put his foot in his mouth so many times. But, um, and I'll get to that in just a minute, but this is the same for us. We're walking with God, but when our spiritual life can be, it can be called into question sometimes. We say that we are in his word or that we're praying and all that stuff, but, you know, sometimes when that gets called into question, it, we fail miserably in that aspect. Um, I remember once in high school, I, I, you know, I try my best to be in the devotions, but sometimes, like in the morning, you fail. You're tired. You hit the snooze way too many times, and you skip out on your daily Bible reading, or you claim that you're going to do it later that night. I remember one time, we had a Bible club um, that our class um, did, and uh, well, not our whole class, me and one of my other, uh, two of my other buddies that we did on Thursday mornings before school. And I usually like to do a devotion. Um, if I didn't do it, they one of them did, or we got a special guest. But even then, even the mornings that I wasn't doing a devotion, I still had my own personal devotions. And so one time I went, and I'm talking to some people about, you know, being in your devotions. I hadn't done mine at that point, completely, you know, slept, didn't care. Like, well, I did care, but I messed up. And when they called that into question, hey, what did you get in your devotions this morning after I just talked about it? Like, uh-oh, like, I don't know what verse comes to mind, uh, James chapter 1, something. Like, you know, you're just going to, like, come up with something because it gets called into question, and I failed. And a lot of times that can happen with multiple things. And that's what happens when, you know, maybe we're honest, but we can't be ignorant that God knows us more or that people can see that sometimes. Next we see, don't question God, but allow him to question you. And I say this um, in the way of, obviously you can ask God questions. There's nothing wrong with asking God questions or praying to God about you know, the questions. But what I mean by don't question God is I'm saying do, don't question his authority. His authority should never come into question. He's your God. He has the authority. He knows what's right and what's just. But you um, can question him, just not his authority. Allow him to question you so that you can understand. Don't question God's authority, but allow him to question you so that you can understand. We see in this passage, um, obviously Peter had no right questioning Jesus, but, he had every right, but Jesus had every right to question him. He says, um, will thou lay down thy life for my sake? I mean, I don't know how he said it. I'm sure Jesus wasn't, wasn't sassy. But um, after he says, you know, I will lay down my life for thy sake, Jesus comes back with that question, will thou lay down my life for my sake? Making Peter think. And then he says what he says next, Verily, verily, I say to thee, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. So 
you know, Peter's like, wow, that, obviously, I'm sure that hit him in a point, it's like, okay, that's, he's telling me that, and then even at that point, if someone tells you something that you're going to do, you're going to be a lot more, um, what's the word, like, looking to it, like, you're going to, you know, think about it a lot more, because they just told you about it, but yet, we, we know the story of Peter later on, it still did deny Jesus three times, but, like we see right here, um, after he questions, you know, will you lay down your life for my sake? We can look at John chapter 21, verses 18 through 19, going into the future about this very question. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, this is Jesus talking to Peter, uh, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Follow me. In this passage, we see Jesus, wait, Peter, follow me after. Will you give your life for me? And this, later on in the book, we see in, verse, in chapter 21, Jesus is telling Peter, you're going to die a martyr's death for me. He says that, plain and simple to Peter. And he, what does he say at the end of that? Follow me. And Peter still does. So he has that heart for it. He knows, this is after everything, um, he knows that he's going to die for Jesus, and he still follows him. But at this point, he didn't know that, and he was just told that. And God is questioning him, you know, will, are you going to die for me? And it helps Peter understand. So what Peter had claimed, that he would die for him, very possibly could have been what he truly believed in his heart, but at this point, he didn't realize that it would come to light in a future day, and that would happen. Jesus speaks to Peter, saying how he will, in fact, die for his name. And... Um, so, like I said, we're allowed to question God. It's not a bad thing to ask questions, but do not question his authority and his better judgment in our lives. What God has planned for you is way better than you can imagine. You can't see what God sees. And honestly, that's a good thing, in my opinion. If you can see what God is going to do for you or lead you five to ten years down the road, you would start trying to do your own way to get to that point, maybe even quicker or ensure that you're going to get there. But God had that plan for you in the first place, and he was going to take care of it. You don't have to, you don't make your own uh, path through that way. If we could see that future, then that would be, you know, that could be horrible. We would be forced or trying to do certain things that wouldn't even matter to get to that reality. So trust God in that, and that whenever he asks us that question, think about it, pay attention, answer. And if your answer is not lining up with his word and what he has for you, then there's a problem. So get lined up with it. The, God's word never has to come to you and your opinion. You need to line up with what God has to say. And possibly my favorite part of this whole passage and wrapping it up, the final thing that I see here in this passage is that God will always know you better than you know yourself. We talked about how God is all-knowing and that he, and, you know, he has his will for you and that he can see things and um, he can ask you questions. But the truth is God knows you better than you know yourself. And I know, like, for me, when I was younger, my mom would say that, like, something like, I, Grant, I, I know you're lying, I know you better than you know you, or whatever. Um, but in reality, God really does. He, you think you know yourself, and you know yourself better than anyone does, but God knows that even more. And so why am I saying this? In verse, uh, in that last verse, the very last part, it says, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. So Jesus already knows what what Peter's going to do. Peter didn't know that at this point, but he already told him. Now, that's a powerful statement. Right after asking, would you actually die for me? And then he goes into saying, you're going to deny me three times. Peter has, you know, he had that audacity earlier to not want to heed God's better judgment. 
and tell Jesus what he thought, um, but Jesus then tells him just the reality of the situation. And the reality is that he's going to deny Jesus, and that Jesus knows him better than he knows himself, and he's telling him this. And another, um, some verses that outline this perfectly that um, David pins in Psalm, is Psalm 139, 1-6. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word of my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. So David's writing, David is writing in this psalm, you know, all these things. God knows everything before I know it. He knows my thoughts before they come. He knows the words before they come out of my mouth. His ways are higher than my ways. And at the very end, he wraps it up with saying, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. God, you are higher than me in every single way, shape, and form, and I will never be able to attain to that. And David understood that, and we need to understand that just as much. God has that deeper knowledge of us than we could ever imagine. And it's all part of that, om- that omniscience, really. And we simply cannot believe that we know better than him, because we never will. And um, another, bringing this home, what is Jesus talking about here? He says that you're going to deny him thrice. So, I do want to look, I forgot to mark this in my Bible, but Luke chapter 22, um, verses uh, 54 through 62, and I'm going to go ahead and read those. Um, and this is the account of whenever Jesus denies him. It says in verse 54, Then took they him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house, and Peter followed afar off. So this is them taking Jesus into the, um, the court, and they're going to judge him obviously unrighteously. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. And he denied, he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. So there's a first denial. And after a while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. There's a second denial. And about the space of one hour after another confidently affirmed, saying of a truth, This fellow was also with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while yet spake, the cock crow. So that's three times he denied Jesus right there. And right after he finishes that third time, the rooster crows. And these next two verses are what really hit home to me. And I hope that you understand what I'm saying whenever I say this. It says in verse 61, right after he denied him three times, And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord. How he said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. The first part of verse 61 hit me really hard whenever I read this the first time. It says, And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. It doesn't say the Lord rebuked Peter. It doesn't say the Lord got angry with Peter. What what did he do? He simply looked at Peter. And so many times we as Christians, and the reason this hits so hard for me is because I can see it so evidently. I'm preaching this message to myself as much as I am to you. We do these things that we know we ought not to. We know that God knows better than us, and yet we still, disregarding the Holy Spirit, disregarding what we know is best, what happens? We continue and we continue and we continue taking step and step and step until boom. We fail miserably, and it's apparent. And you know, once you hit that wall, you know you sinned and did something that you weren't supposed to do. And all I can picture is right after you know that, the Lord looking at me. The same way that he looked at Peter. He didn't, like I said, he didn't rebuke him. He didn't get angry with him. He just looked at him. And I don't know what the look was. 
It doesn't say what he looked at Peter like. I can imagine it was something probably just sad, almost you know, a little bit disappointed, but sad. And it's one of those things where I don't know how I would handle that. You know, and that's, it is the truth. The Lord does look at you after those things. But if I actually looked Jesus in the eyes after he looked upon me, after what I knew I did was wrong, how do you take that? I mean, it's already hard enough, at least for me, with my dad, saying something like, I'm disappointed in you, or how could you do that? That hurts me a ton. And my Lord and Savior looking at me that way, not even saying anything, but looking at me that way, wow. You know, it says Peter went out and wept bitterly. Because he didn't, in reality, like I said, Peter meant what he said, I believe, that he would die for Jesus. Obviously he did. Um, He loved Jesus with all his heart. But he did the thing that the Lord was telling him to do. Because Jesus knew Peter Peter better than Peter knew Peter. And that is so true for us. We must remember as we move forward, we must wait on God. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And I can just, like I said, I can just think of all the things that this applies to me and why. Um, Listening to God is always the best course of action. It always ends up working out the way it's supposed to. So we look back at this passage of Scripture. In John 13, these three verses are key in understanding why God wants us to wait sometimes. It's we must wait because God wants you to, but in reality, how do we handle that? We trust his timing like I, t- like I talked about. God has a perfect plan. It's lined up perfectly for you. That trust is necessary in a God that loves us. And that trust in his timing is even more necessary. He has things planned that we can never imagine. We must, actively, we must always actively continue to walk and listen as he directs us, following him first, letting him take the first steps then we need to understand his omniscience, his, all, his all-knowing, the fact that he knows more than we ever could. We need to grasp that. His knowledge is greater than ours. And like I said, we can be honest with God. We can ask those questions to gain that knowledge, but we cannot call into question his authority because we can't be ignorant. We can't ignore the questions that he asks us. And this is all because God knows us better than we know ourselves, and we must remember that. So right now, I know I just came out of something where I knew I had to wait, or that I went, I took too many steps, and I pushed the boundaries, and you can feel the Lord looking at you. I had to call that into question and, and get myself back lined up. So maybe right now there's someone out here that is struggling with that same thing. They're being called into question. Man, I've taken too many steps. I need to come back. Or, man, I'm getting ahead of God. I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting for him to take that first step. So based on what we discussed here, what we can see clearly in Scripture, just in three verses, really, Start listening and waiting on God to make that, that first step. He has something better for you. Don't get ahead of his plan. <clears throat> Don't stop trusting his timing. It will, it's all going to work together for your good. So start now understanding that he's greater than you. He has greater plans than you could ever imagine, and you won't be able to understand. You just won't. But he has that lined up for you for a reason. It's not hard, but it's something that we must do. It can be hard at times, but in the grand scheme of things, trusting God is one of the easiest things that we can do. We are living, you know, in a better life than people that aren't Christians. We have a God that we can simply put our trust in, that we can rely in, that we can let take everything and just let him, let us, let him remind us that he is God. So start now, wait on God's go ahead and do that and follow him thereafter. So, um, I, Pastor John is with the teens um, right now. I don't know exactly what he's doing, I can't remember, but... We're going to pray after I um, give a little bit of, he gave me this list for
um, some of these prayer requests and updates. Um, so, Riley, I know that, uh, I don't know if all of y'all know, but he, when he came back from camp, yeah, I think he had COVID or something like that, but also camp kind of knocked his, um, like, blood sugar levels, like, really out of whack. Um, I can't remember. It was, it was pretty um, tough, but he's been out of the hospital. He's doing better, but he's still battling coughs and stuff like that. So just for him to um, get better and for him to um, get back soon and for that to go well, as well as um, Miss Vicki King, uh, her cousin just passed away. Uh, so be in prayer for her and the family as that uh, is obviously a, a tough situation. And um, some updates on things that have happened. Like I said, we had late night TNT um, last night and three got saved. So praise the Lord. Um, salvation is, is awesome. is one of the best things, if not the best thing that you can hear. And I love it so much that um, we were able to have three um, teams come to the Lord. As well as Josh and Mia's TNT. Um, it is, there's a new family visiting. So just for everyone to get acquainted for them to feel um, welcome as well as Pastor Andrew, we know the whole situation with him and his uh, going to do ministry. But also right now, as he's at, he's at Camp Assurance, he is, um, uh, I think that he said, uh, four, yeah, four teens went out for salvation, so I don't know if those were confirmed, but four teens at least are understanding the conviction and that they need to get something settled. So um, those are some updates and some prayer requests. And um, any public prayer requests before we break off and pray that you can say out loud so anyone can hear? Anybody have anything? I don't think so. Okay. I think she. Well, she had her surgery. Right. And they said, and her pathology report says that there's some cancer still on the margin area. So she's got to take another test, and they have to wait about four weeks um, for that to come back. And um, to know um, she's going to need chemo and radiation and just radiation. Okay. So just keep her in prayer. Okay. So keep in prayer for those both those situations. Does anybody else have anything? Okay. Okay. Sounds good. You said what? Okay. Um, you said Miss Brooke is dealing with her sh- blood sugar, just that situation. You said you're just getting started on that. Is that what? It's the new diagnosis. Okay. Yeah. So be in prayer for that. It's a new diagnosis, and um, you know, obviously that's something new, and it's hard to get used to something sometimes, especially something like that. Anything else? Oh, yes. Okay. So I know Miss Vicki, obviously, with the surgery, the recovery, and all that, and different tests, correct? My sister in law, Diana's brother, had cancer, so his name is Don Narborough. Don Arborough? Yarborough, okay. Okay. So they're waiting for pathology reports to come back. Okay, so for the pathology reports to come back, okay. So just be in prayer for that situation with his pathology report and just for everything to go well. Yes. Okay, so be in prayer for Ski as he has some um, blood work issues and all that stuff, and then he has this Friday as a CAT scan and a couple other appointments coming up just for everything to go smoothly with that. Um, just be in prayer for his whole situation with all those medical needs. Yes.
Okay, uh, the Bradleys, as Mr. Steve Bradley's in and out of the hospital with different um, issues, kidney stones and all that stuff. So just be in prayer for that family as well as him. Anything else? Yes. Who does? Katie in her MRI tomorrow. Okay. So be in prayer for um, Miss Katie as she is going to have her MRI. Um, I know that can be a little bit of a scary thing, so just calm her nerves and hopefully for the results to come back well. Anything else? All right. Um, well, feel free to break into your groups, and um, we're at 7.52 right now, so however long, um, and you can pray for obviously how long you need to, but um, just remember those, and yes, be in prayer. So um, I will pray real quick as uh, to, this, to dismiss to those groups. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to come up here and speak, Lord. Thank you for um, the many blessings that you've given me, and I know a lot of the church family, Lord, but also the many prayer requests that we lift up to you, Lord, for all these different um, issues that we have, whether they're medical or um, just having to do with family, Lord, just be with everyone and calm everyone's nerves and for everyone to realize that you are God and that you're capable of many things that, and many wonders that we can never understand or imagine, Lord. And that just goes back to uh, the message, Lord, that you laid on my heart, and that's so applicable to, applicable to me and maybe to other people uh, tonight, Lord, just for us to trust you and your timing and your knowledge, Lord, and that you can that you know when we ought to wait and that we can follow you in taking those steps um, and that way we can grow as a better Christian but also to believe and trust in you, Lord. Thank you so much for the opportunity to come speak, Lord. Please be with uh, the continued rest of this, this week and as I'm finishing up on the internship and the other two interns, Lord, just be with us and for us to enjoy it. Uh, Lord, we love you and you're my prey. Amen.